Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Absolute Geek Podcast, and my name is Matt, and today I have the absolute pleasure to speak to Dr. Janina Scarlett, a licensed clinical psychologist who is using geek culture as a tool in therapy. So this time I'd like to welcome Dr. Janina Scarlett to the show. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to to speak to our listeners. I know this is going to be something I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of uh, information out of as we this is a show where we we talk a lot about depression and and things like that and what goes into having depression as i myself suffer from depression so and a lot of our listeners uh seem to really gravitate to that and reach out to us to have conversations about that so i think this is something that they will get a lot of uh good information out of thank you and and thank you for having a show centered on such an important topic uh, now, I know you've been doing interviews and other podcasts, but you have such yes. a, a fascinating backstory. Uh, can you introduce yourself to our audience and kind of fill people in on who you are and how you arrived to the profession that you're doing and everything? Sure. Um, thank you for asking that. I was born in Ukraine, actually, and at the age of three, my family and I were exposed to radiation from Chernobyl, and we were all severely affected, and um, my health was completely completely depleted i was having seizures and severe migraines and my immune system was shut down um so i was extremely extremely sick spending a very long time in the hospital and um, when i was about 12 years old my family and i were able to immigrate to the united states as refugees and i was in seventh grade and i was severely bullied in seventh grade Um, People would ask me if I'm contagious and radioactive and if I glow in the dark. And um, I struggled with severe depression during that time. And on most days, I just wanted to die. Um, And a few years later, I saw the first X-Men movie. And that was my gateway to geekdom. I I actually, uh, in a way, I felt as if I saw myself on the screen. You know, these incredible heroes Um, the X-Men, most of them have a similar backstory to mine. Most of them have also been affected by radiation or have some kind of a mutation. And yet all of them use the the very origin story that they have, the thing that happened to them to help other people. And that was the first time that I was able to see myself as a survivor as opposed to as a victim. So I wanted to take this message to then be able to help people. So I went on to pursue my doctoral degree um, first in neuroscience and then in clinical psychology. And I started implementing pop culture into therapy. And when I was working with active duty Marines with PTSD, they kept on stating over and over again that they they wished that they were like the superheroes that they read about or saw on the screen. Many of them stating that they wanted to be Superman but they felt like a failure. They felt like they weren't good enough because they were struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder or depression. 
And this is when I would start drawing from my geeky knowledge and asking them if Superman had any kind of vulnerability. And of course he does. He's vulnerable to kryptonite. And I would ask them if this makes him any less of a superhero. And of course, the answer is no. In fact, all our favorite heroes, whether they're traditional superheroes or fantasy or science fiction characters, they all have some kind of vulnerability, some kind of struggle. And that's, in fact, what we love about them, what makes them more impressive. So I've been able to incorporate these examples into building strength in my patient to to remind them that they, too, can become heroes just like the very heroes that they read about. Yeah, I, I think that's something that's really, really fascinating that you, you kind of took, you know, the the love of, of pop culture and kind of you're turning it around in and using it for a force for good. You see, Thank you. you see all these heroes in comic books and and everything like that, and you you think they're just you know art on a page or drawings on a page, but they actually have a deeper meaning that you can use to teach, and I think that's really fascinating that you're you're using that as a tool thank you so much and i think in fact they speak to a lot of us i think there's a reason why we're drawn to uh whether it's comic books or or certain books or movies it's probably because there's a character there or a story there that speaks to us that makes us feel less alone and more connected yeah i would have to i would have to agree kind of like like spider everyone connects with spider-man because he's like the yeah. every the everyday average person with normal problems but then he also has the the superhero how or the superhero aspect of it all as well right right exactly uh can you tell our listeners a little bit about superhero therapy and and what it is sure so superhero therapy is um based in evidence-based which means research supported therapy such as cognitive behavioral therapy and acceptance and commitment therapy Um, So both of these have been heavily studied by scientists to be helpful for a variety of disorders like depression, anxiety, uh, substance use, and PTSD. And um, it includes incorporating pop culture characters and pop culture stories um, as a way to have the clients better understand their own experience, to teach them to be able to better vocalize what happened to them, to be able to label their emotions, and also to have a role model to be able to um, to follow in, in their footsteps, to, to have some kind of a goal to strive to. So I know you said that you, you gravitated towards um, the X-Men uh, was that what inspired you to incorporate fictional characters into therapy is kind of just like your own experiences growing up with, with everything that happened at Chernobyl and the way you were, you were kind of treated or, um, I'll be honest, it was kind of a lucky accident. Um, I didn't expect to be doing this. I think X-Men kind of empowered me to want to go into psychology, but I hadn't fully thought about incorporating pop culture into therapy until it organically happened. And in working with Marines who've seen the most atrocious traumas that um, that I can ever imagine, it, it was just an organic process that occurred. They really identified with traditional superheroes as well as heroes from TV shows like The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. And from there, it just seemed like the logical way to go. You know, normal comic book readers are, um, you can see there's a lot of similarities that could, I could actually see really being useful in, in something like that. Absolutely. Um, like I would never guess. Captain America and Batman. Absolutely. 
I would never have guessed something like The Walking Dead would be as useful mm-hmm. on that, but that's that's really a interesting. Lot of, a lot of service members and veterans really connect to The Walking Dead as well as many civilians. And one of the reasons why is because the show isn't so much about the zombies as it is about the survivors. Mm-hmm. It's about surviving the worst possible thing that people can imagine and trying to maintain hope under the most awful circumstances. And that's what I think a lot of people gravitate toward. Uh, being a survivor in a war or being a survivor of abuse, for example, they might really connect with some of the characters on the show, maybe not through the exact experience, but more through what they're feeling, through what they um, what they might act like after the traumatic event has happened to them. So how do you use superhero and fantasy characters in therapy, and what might you do to help people access their inner superhero while working with them in therapy? Mm-hmm. So during the first session, I typically ask my clients after after having a thorough understanding of where they're coming from and what the underlying issue is, I ask them if they're if they have any hobbies, if they have any um, movies or books that they like or any characters that they identify with. And from there, we might start talking about that particular character down the line over maybe several sessions in terms of has that character been through any adversity and have they struggled in any way? And then from there, I might ask the client about their own experiences, if they have ever um, uh, had similar struggles. Um, so I find that a lot of my clients might already like characters that have been through some kind of trauma. Um, so initially, if I was to ask many of my tra- many of my patients with trauma history to describe how they felt about the traumatic event, many of them either are not willing to talk about it or don't quite have the words to describe it. But in talking about a particular character, for example, in talking about Batman's loss of his parents, it makes it easier for people to then better understand their own losses. So over time, I'll start to transition the therapy focus onto the client's own experiences and then um, asking them to relate their own experiences to the particular characters, if it's appropriate, of course. So, for instance, I was working with a trauma survivor, a survivor of sexual assault, who really identified with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And she had a really hard time talking about the sexual assault that happened to her, but really, really loved Buffy and wanted to be like her. So we spend a number of sessions talking about Buffy and where her strength comes from and her ability to fight monsters. And then we talked about season six in which Buffy comes back from from the dead and goes through severe PTSD. She's having nightmares and flashbacks and has a hard time connecting with her friends. And at one point she talks to her friend Spike and she says, it feels like I'm in hell. It feels like everything hurts. And my client said that that's exactly what she feels like. And that was the first time she was able to name her emotion in a way or describe her emotion in a way. And from then on, we went on to talk about her own trauma and how that felt like and how for her every moment was also painful. And so this allowed her to see that she wasn't alone in her experience and it allowed her to be able to process her emotions in a safe way and then to see that Buffy was able to recover eventually from her trauma. Of course, she was affected by it, but over time she was able to return to her heroic persona and my client was able to do that as well. My understanding is you're, you're essentially using pop culture references like in this case Buffy the Vampire Slayer to do 
and connect with people on a level where maybe like song lyrics help them say how they're feeling or um, a certain movie line helps them say how they're feeling, how they can identify with that and grab hold of it and use it to find the words and the voice that they can't seem to find themselves. Exactly. Exactly. So that's one aspect of it. And another might be to look for examples of how our favorite heroes might be able to overcome adversity. Usually it's by connecting with what's called their core values, their their meaning, their calling. And many of them, like Jessica Jones, for example, even after suffering from severe trauma, are able to connect with what they really care about, such as helping other people. And ultimately connecting with their core values is actually what helps our heroes heal. And that's what, what we're finding in mental health as well. The more we connect with our core values, the more we're able to become our heroic selves, the easier the recovery becomes. Now, any fan of, of superheroes knows that every hero needs a villain. And in this book, uh, you've chosen four main villains that I found kind of interesting. And I, I kind of wonder why you, you chose these four emotions specifically. There's anxiety, shame, anger, and depression. Can you kind of tell us what led to you choosing those four emotions specifically? Sure. I find that these four tend to be the root of a lot of mental health disorders, um, in particular shame. I think shame, more than anything, tends to occur in just about every single disorder there is. Most of us tend to really attack ourselves very, very harshly, maybe even harsher than other people in our lives might attack us. So whether it's depression, whether it's substance use, whether it's an eating disorder, or even an anxiety disorder, a lot of times there's shame underneath it. So although these are not the only emotions that occur in mental health disorders, these seem to be almost like the primary colors of most uh, most mental health disorders. Speaking personally, I think shame, you can really connect the dots and everything starts with shame and kind of branches out and leads back. And it's very easy to be your own worst critic and be, mm-hmm. like you said, harder on yourself than maybe other people are on you. And you think that people are, are judging you in a certain way and they're not. And you're just kind of, it's hard to get out of your own head. Absolutely. Absolutely. We tend to, um, at times like that, we we might confuse what our um, what our thoughts, our shaming thoughts, are telling us with what might be really happening. And we all do this in in a way. We might start mind reading. We might assume that people don't like us or that they're judging us for something. But it might be our own shame that might be coming up at that moment. And the more we're aware of it, the easier it might be to tame that emotion. Now I know. Um it's very easy to try and incorporate or take a hobby and kind of use it as an excuse to maybe have a little bit of avoidance or escapism to get away. And I know mm-hmm. there's a gray line between avoidance, escapism, and, and, and a hobby. How do you draw the line with, with patients when it comes to all that saying, you know, this something they think is a hobby and you have to kind of tell them, no, this maybe is more of an escape than it is a hobby? Um, That's a great question. And I'm really glad you asked that. So uh, where we really draw the line is ultimately by asking, what is this functioning to do? If somebody comes home from work, and they spend an hour playing video games, for example, so that they can recharge and re-energize to then be able to spend time with their family, I would say that's useful and helpful. Um, If they spend all their waking hours playing video games, for instance, or engaging in comic book reading or or in other hobbies, 
um, to an extent that they're missing work or not doing their homework or not engaging with their friends and family, we would say that that's not helpful and what's called maladaptive. So really, the question is always, what is this functioning to do? There are people who spend most of their life online, but it might actually be functional for them. For example, I have a lot of patients with um, uh, who are on autism spectrum who um, don't really like socializing with people in person, but do really well socializing online and are part of fandoms and communities and are involved in online gaming and fanfic. And things like that might actually be beneficial for that individual because otherwise they would not have a support group. So really, it's it's kind of subjective um, for each individual. And if this is something that is benefiting them in the long term, in the big picture, and is helping them uh, be the kind of individual that they want to be, is helping them achieve the goals that they want to achieve, fantastic. If this is the way that they choose to socialize and have a support group, then that's that's fine. Um, but if it's something that actually is essentially keeping them away from um, other responsibilities and is uh, leading to some bad outcomes, that might not be helpful. Is there any particular issues that you found superhero therapy to be more helpful for and successful for than, than per se, others? Um, well, some of the things that it seems to be helpful for is allowing people who really associate with pop culture as a culture to feel like they're heard. Um, I've seen a number of clients that have told me they're um, either their previous therapists or friends or teachers have dismissed their interest as um, just something they'll grow out of or something silly or something they need to not spend too much time on, whether it was gaming or cosplaying or something like that. But to these individuals, it might be a lifestyle. Maybe it's not just reading comic books. Maybe this person actually wants to become a comic book writer. And so I find that as a therapist, to be able to hear my client, to be able to see their interests actually makes them feel better understood and more connected. And both the main positive thing and the one the main negative thing about superhero therapy is that it is uh, more focused and more intended for the geek population. Um, there has not previously been a self-help book for this population written in this way. Um, so I think it's much needed given um, given how many people uh, within this population struggle with mental health disorders. Um, so I think that's really the biggest strength of it is that it is focused on this population, but I can also see some of the criticisms being that it then might exclude people who are not identifying with pop culture who might then benefit from traditional therapy. I understand like using video games as as a release and as a um, escape for a little bit or you know it just it just makes you feel better to kind of unwind and just get out of reality for a little bit and and kind of reassess and and then go back about everything and i i've never thought about how much until i started to to kind of look into your your background and and a little bit about superhero therapy i never really thought about using these characters in that way as far as like applying them to your everyday life and i've i've kind of stepped back this week and looked at how much like really i'll reference something from a comic book to you know put into perspective how i'm feeling or 
to associate it with something else or apply it to figuring out an issue and, and things like that. So I've never really realized how often I do that until I really kind of sat back and, and thought about it this week. And it, it's, it, I definitely think that this is an avenue for our culture that would be beneficial beyond belief. Thank you. Thank you. And, and that's my hope is that it is beneficial for people that really need it. So what, what target audience or age range are you hoping to reach with, with superhero therapy? Um, so this particular book was intended for clients or for people um, 13 and above. Um, but superhero therapy as a modality of therapy is really intended for anybody. Um, so for children as young as maybe seven or eight years old um, to adults of all ages who might identify with elements of pop culture or with fictional characters. My next book, Therapy Quest, that comes out in February is um, can be used for, for kids as young as about 10 years old to young adults and, and older adults as well. So kind of leading in with, with that quest, that was a nice transition. Um, we have listeners that suffer from depression and anxiety, like mm-hmm. I said before, that have kind of reached out to us. And one of our shows that we do on our network here is we have an ongoing D&D campaign. Awesome. And I understand that fantasy role-playing games such as Dungeons & Dragons can be a great tool to help people suffering from behavioral mental health issues. Um, how would you use a game like that as a tool to help someone overcome behavioral or mental health or issues or anxiety or depression or, or anything yes. along those lines? Yes, thank you. And actually, that's exactly the focus of Therapy Quest. It's written um, as a little bit like Lord of the Rings meets D&D uh, type of way where there's there's a gaming aspect to it. There's no dice or anything, but there's a little bit of a decision-making process. Um, but the idea is, is that in playing these games, we get to be certain characters that maybe we want to be like. Um, so in therapy itself, when I have my clients play, uh, we don't, you know, do the full uh, D&D game, but we might do elements of it. I might have a, a, a patient create a profile um, that might be their um, idealized character that maybe um, the, the character with the like the strength or the stamina that they would want to have and talk about why. Um, I might have them take um, a slightly different quest, like a psychological quest where they might face their anxiety monster and what would they need to roll, what kind of skill would they need to use in order to be able to uh, better manage that anxiety or better cope with that anxiety monster. And so um, I think with gaming especially, we can take an active approach toward managing anxiety and depression and and a number of these disorders that we're struggling with. And especially if it's done in a group format, that can be even more engaging because it can be interactive on top of it. What kind of uh, triumphs have you seen people create in their lives when working with superhero therapy? (laughs) Wonderful question. Thank you. Um, Gosh, all kinds of things. Um, I've seen people get on the plane that are terrified of flying. Um, I've seen people uh, be able to stand up to people that have previously bullied and harassed them. Um, I've seen people uh, be able to not only get out of their house after not leaving the house for 20 something years, but to be able to travel after a while. And that's not you know, only due to superhero therapy, that's due to clients, to people being able to recognize that underneath it all, no matter how much anxiety or or depression they're struggling with, 
they can still be a hero. They can still identify with what they really care about and they can um, they can become the hero that they want to be. Uh, what are uh, well, let's learn a little bit more about you as a as a geek in your your <laughs> fandom here. Um, Absolutely. What are three of your favorite superhero books, movies, or TV shows? Oh, great questions. Uh, specifically, to superhero or any pop culture? Uh, we'll just do any pop culture. Because uh, my absolute top fandom is Harry Potter. Uh, that's my favorite fandom in the whole world. Um, and um, I do also um, love Star Wars uh, movies, books, the animated TV shows. Uh, my husband and I, uh, we actually got married just a few weeks ago, and we had a Harry Potter Star Wars themed wedding. Oh, wow. um and um i'm a big fan of the x-men obviously so i guess those would be my top three what is the character that most inspires you oh great question um storm would have to be one of them um it's hard to pick one but storm is definitely up there um storm batgirl um i think harry potter definitely so uh, a combination of these. What what is it about Storm? Because that's that's an interesting one. Like you ask people what their their favorite superhero is, and you get the typical you know Superman, yeah, Batman, Spider Man. What specifically about Storm kind of draws you to her as a as an inspiration? Yeah. What initially drew me to Storm was the fact that she is connected with the weather and all of my health conditions um, after being exposed to Chernobyl radiation are um, weather-based. So um, I get really, really sick um, when the weather changes. And being able to see Storm have this powerful connection with the weather really, um, I really identified with that. But then later I learned her backstory. I learned that when she was six years old, um, she and her family were crushed by a passing plane. Her parents were killed, but um, little Aurora Monroe actually barely made it out of the rubble alive. And as a result, she struggles from trauma-like symptoms, and then she has um, symptoms of claustrophobia. Um, and later, when she joins the X-Men, there are some issues where she really struggles um, in, in being caught in tight spaces. Um, but nevertheless, when her friends, when her colleagues from the X-Men are struggling, if they're in trouble, nothing, nothing will hold her back. Even if she's terrified, she will find a way to help them. That, that's... I've never really looked at Storm like that. I guess that's a that's a new way of, of looking at it. Because, I, like I said, I most identify normally with, like, Spider-Man, just the everyday yeah. problems that he goes through. But I've never – I mean, I think, I'm sure a lot of people, you would assume, would, as, would associate with the X-Men is, is the way they're treated as outcasts or yep. – you know, I'm sure that that comes up a lot. But I've never really thought about Storm as – in that sense that's that's very eye-opening and interesting from from my point of view yeah. as well. and i see a lot of patients now who um due to certain political events really identify with the x-men you know and like having to be registered and things like that who really um identify with people who are somehow ostracized for having been born a certain way so do you think that science fiction superheroes and fantasy help foster discussions about social or society issues or social issues absolutely absolutely whether it's x-men whether it's harry potter whether it's star wars absolutely and i'm seeing that a lot um i've seen jk rowling post a lot of um political 
um, statements in relating certain political events to what happened in Harry Potter. And people have done that with Star Wars and people have done that with other fandoms as well. Um, let's see. Where can our listeners get a copy of uh, Superhero Therapy? Oh, great question. So in the United States, for the most part, it's not out yet. Um, some people were able to receive advanced copies through Amazon. It comes out on Tuesday, August 1st, so in just a few days. Um, it will be available nationwide in all major stores, so Barnes & Noble. Um, and, of course, you can always pre-order a copy on Amazon, and it will be available starting August 1st everywhere. And my last question is, uh, where can our listeners find you or more information about your book and you're the field you work in. Sure. Um, I am um, pretty easy to find online if people search for superhero therapy. My website is superhero-therapy.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook. I'm on all social media if people look for superhero therapy. Well, I want to thank you for, for taking the, the time out of your busy Friday to sit down and speak with me and go a little bit over about superhero therapy and kind of what it is you do and how you you incorporate this to, to help people it's 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 really amazing that thank you this, thank this you culture. so much for having me and thank you for everything that you do in spreading awareness about mental health issues as well thank you yeah and like i said we i understand the struggle with it and we've had people reach out to us and and who have had anxiety about going to conventions and we've kind of talked mm -hmm. about how we how we've handled that and things like that and that's always good to receive those messages saying hey you know i've listened to your story and took your advice and it helped me so i mean any anything we can do to spread awareness about this and and get this out and kind of help people cope with with depression and anxiety and and get past it and and get back to maybe the life they want to live and stop feeling so trapped we're we're definitely on board to to support that absolutely so again, I want to I want to think that's all I've got. I want to thank you for your time, and I uh, hope you have a great evening. Thank you. You as well. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. I, again, just want to thank Dr. Janina Scarlett for sitting down with me today and taking the time out of her busy schedule to explain to us what superhero therapy is and how she incorporates superheroes in her therapy sessions. If you want to know more about Dr. Janina Scarlett and her mission and what superhero therapy is and how she's using it to help people, you can find more information about it at their website of www.superhero-therapy.com. You can find more information out about on on Google. Um, and if you think that superhero therapy sounds like something that would help you or something that you would want to implement in your life, as it is a self-help book, I would recommend, remember, going out and picking it up Tuesday at all of your local bookstores or on Amazon. I know I will definitely be picking up a copy of the book, and I'm interested to see in what ways it can help me incorporate and maybe deal with, with some of the depression I have at times or my anxiety and and things like that. If this is something that you know you would want to try, I would definitely recommend it. Just one more time, I want to say thank you, Dr. Janina Scarlett, for everything you're doing for our community. We appreciate it. Um, it's nice to see that members of this culture, which I love so much, and I know the rest of us love so much, are able to have a something that they can incorporate to maybe help them deal with issues that they can't find any other way to, to get out or to kind of channel how they feel. 
So for the Absolute Geek Podcast, my name is Matt Singh. Thank you for joining us for this special interview, and we will see you next time.